The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York with the spot on sports guys, the Trez man, Mike Trezza, the coach, Mike Gadone, here with you for the next hour on WGBB. It is May 8th, May 7th, 2023. <laughs> it, might, it might as well be May 8th. It's, it's pretty late in the evening. 12.40 a.m. is where we are, 95.9 on your FM dial, 516-623-1240. That is the number to get behind the arc and jack it up from deep with us tonight. We want your phone calls, folks. We're going to leave the phone lines open for the first half of the show and really most of the second half of the show as well. So if you're a Knicks fan who is ticked off or upset or angry, or even a Knicks fan who's optimistic, thinks they're still going to win this series, give us a call tonight. If you're a Met fan who's ticked off, a Yankee fan who's ticked off, we want to take you. If you're bombed out of your... No, 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 we don't want you. (laughs) Anyway, before we get to Knicks, Mets, Yankees, and then later on, Jets, Giants, Draft, Rangers, let me say hi to my co-host, the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, you kind of, it, it was interesting you said it's the 8th, but for, it, it is the 7th, but for most New York sports fans, we wish it was the 8th, because boy, what a tough day for baseball, the Knicks, you know, we, we'll, we'll get into that very shortly, but, um, you know, as they, what do they say, hope springs eternal, and then it's still spring, but it's, uh, it's, it's still a little early for the Mets and Yankees, but the Knicks, they, they gotta pull it out here. Yeah, you know, what a difference two weeks makes, Mike. I mean, you know, I, I wish we were on more of a one-week schedule, but two yeah. weeks, I mean, two weeks ago, look at what what was going on. You know, the Knicks were in that first-round series. The uh, the Rangers was still looking good. The Islanders were still in it. Um, you know, I mean, the Yankees and the Mets had not yet hit the hard times that they're now experiencing. And, and today, like you said, Man, this was a tough day. Uh, this whole weekend in New York sports was really, really tough. So, you know, it's funny, Mike. Um, we talk about the Knicks almost every show now for the two-plus years. You and I have been on the air together almost two wow. and a half years. And we talk about the Knicks a lot. Yes. But very, very rarely do we put the Knicks front and center. And tonight, folks, we are going to do just that. We are going to take the New York Knicks series against the Heat that the Knicks now trail two games to one after their tough loss yesterday afternoon prime time well not really prime time but afternoon game Mike had you know essentially the eyes of the whole country on them and really laid an egg in that game huge I mean I it, it kind of baffles me that that they came out the way that they did. Of course, you're going to see Miami coming off a loss back home. Jimmy Butler's back. They're going to be fired up and whatever. And, and this is what just absolutely floors me. So as we were going through before, and uh, I'm looking at box scores and whatever else, this is, this is from R.J. Barrett. This is his quote yesterday, and I want to make sure I get this right. R.J. said, they came out strong. Of course, he's talking about the Heat. That's something that coming into the next game, we've got to understand that and bring that intensity. 
Why didn't you bring that intensity this time? Thank you. I mean, what what do they expect that they were going to ease into the game? I mean, you know, we we need to bring that intensity too. Good lord! I mean, that I I I I very rarely am I speechless, and I love R.J. Barrett. I've been a big fan of his, but I mean, my goodness, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of sit on him a little bit tonight because as I'm looking through in yesterday's game, the plus minus two, R.J. Barrett was a minus 32. Wow. Minus 32. That's a big minus, Mike. He scored 14 points. Okay, so, you know, minus 32. Yeah. Well, let's go back a little bit, okay? Do you think that going to Cleveland and winning that first um, game in Cleveland might have given the Knicks a little bit of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, false sense of security, inflated uh, sense of self-worth, coming into this series against a very, very motivated, very well-constructed, very well-coached Miami Heat team? No, absolutely, because it it almost seems like the Knicks – Look like they think they can turn it on when they when they need to, and they're just not that good. They can't. No, they, they don't can't. have that talent. They can't. So the, you know the first the first loss was was a certainly a little bit of a wake up call. Game two, you know, you don't want to say in a lot of times that game twos are a must win, but it was. It was a must must win game. Jimmy Butler was out. Knicks didn't play particularly well, but rose to the occasion, won the game, and you think, all right, it's one one. So going to come out. You know, at, at least toe to toe here in the in the third game, and man, they 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 barely put up a fight. And you know, it was different than game one because game one, the Knicks um, led most of the first half, and you said, okay, you know, listen, I think they're going to close it out strong, and it just got away from them. Yesterday's game, Mike, it felt like they were never ever in that game. It felt like the Heat led by anywhere from five to twelve points. Pretty much all day. Right. And they, there was never that moment, like you said, that they, the Knicks had that kind of signature run even to get it close, to make it, to make it something where the game was somewhat in doubt. They, they just didn't, I don't know. They, they, it looked like it was a tired group that, that traveled, you know, did you hear what Jalen Rose said, by the way? No. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of feelings on Jalen Rose, but, um, he said that the Knicks, didn't acclimate to the Florida weather. Oh, come on. Right? That it was too hot. Wait and, a minute. You're not playing outside. You're not playing outside. This isn't the, you know, this isn't 84 in the Boston Garden where it was 95 degrees. Oh, come Can on. Can you That's believe this guy? stuff. Come on. Uh, yeah, no. Here's, it's too here's the hot. problem, Mike. Um, when you shoot really poorly, then it really looks to you, the fan, maybe not you, the coach, but me, the fan, um, like, you're listless and you lack energy. The Knicks in game three, Mike, eight for 40 yeah. from downtown. Now I can do that math in my head. Hey everybody, that's 20%. <laughs> that's not good enough. Overall on field goals in, in game three, 31 for 91. Now that one I can't do in my head, but that's somewhat less than 33%. It's about, uh, oh actually it's maybe about 35%, which again, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. You you can't beat the local JV team shooting a. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. That listen, we we all know that the NBA game now is about three stretching the floor, different things. If you just look at the center position for the Knicks, right? This bears itself out. Mitch Robinson played 14 minutes, took two shots. 
Isaiah Hardenstein played 26 minutes, took no shots. Now, a lot of the Hardenstein's time was kind of garbage time, but, I mean, it, it just goes to show, if you don't have people that can knock down shots, you're not going to win. Now, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, you know, of course, but what, what do the, the Knicks need in the offseason? They got to get a three point shooter. They, they need someone. I mean, they can't, it can't always be Brunson. You know, he, he was 0 for 5. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not, that's not his game really anyway, but I mean, it was spread out. Randall 0 for 5. You got them in the offseason already, Mike. Well, uh, no, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about team construction because right. you actually said it perfectly. I mean, the, the heat, are, are, they're just a better constructed team. They are. They're, they're very well constructed and very well coached, and we'll get to that. Yeah. But here was my issue, though, yesterday. Hartenstein, who I like, um, game two, nine rebounds, right. and again, was a beast on the offensive boards. Got some really, really key rebounds. Um, yesterday, 25 minutes, Mike, and just three rebounds. Yeah, and no shots. Right. Well, <laughs> what are you I doing mean, out He's there? not really there to score, no, and neither still, is Mitchell. But, but, you know, Mitchell Robinson, two points, and even him, five rebounds. So here's the problem. You're shooting eight for 40 from, from downtown, right? Um, you're not rebounding the ball. Nope. And, and here's Bam out of bio yesterday. Uh, where did I have it? Um, Seven. 17 and 12. Right. It looked like a young Bill Russell out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, here are both the um, the Knicks centers totaling eight rebounds, and Bam Adebayo by himself had 12, point, 12 rebounds to go along with 17 points. So, right. I mean, it looks like you're not rebounding the ball well. You're not playing good defense. You're not shooting the ball well. What are you doing well in that game? Uh, when you figure it out, let me know. It's true. It was. It That's not... You can't go tied one all and go down and get smoked like that. You just can't. I mean, it's 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 insane. It's nuts. You you, you hit on it really perfectly because, like you said, Bam out about seventeen and twelve. Jimmy Butler, who you know, sat out that last game, he got twenty eight points. You know, ten for ten for eleven from free throw. Miami wasn't exactly torching the Nets either from three point land, seven for thirty two. But they did everything else well. I mean, it just was, they, they didn't really have to. They didn't, they didn't need to do anything. And no matter, finally, we, we were actually texting back and forth during the game the other night. And I was saying about quickly having, you know, he, he didn't play much, but it really wasn't, he didn't have it or whatever. It wasn't a good game for him. So last night, he was really the lone bright spot coming off the bench, 20 minutes, 12 points, but then he goes down with an ankle injury. Yeah. And you're like, man, well, I mean, they had to bring, uh, you know, Quentin Grimes in there to play 22 minutes. When you're longing for Derrick Rose to make an appearance, you know it's it's trouble. Yeah, and, and here's the thing: um, another contrast between this and the Cleveland series. This the Nick bench was such a strength in the Cleveland series, and here's what they did yesterday. As you mentioned, quickly, tw- uh, twelve points in twenty minutes, which again has been by far his best appearance in this series. Grimes, eight points, zero assists. Quickly, zero assists. Obi Toppin. Five points, three rebounds in fifteen in sixteen minutes. Mike, what did I say that I wanted out of Obi when he's in the game? I don't want dunks. I don't want three pointers. I want Obi to rebound three rebounds. That's not good enough. No, it's 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 terrible. And great point on the assists. I mean, they had. I'm looking at this right now. For on thirty nine field goals, they had fifteen assists. Yeah. I mean, it's just now the NBA. 
of course, is an isolation league, and you're not going to get. But there, there's no transition baskets happening there. They just, no matter what, what they did, what they tried, it just sort of come down, jack up a three, okay. And like you said, not, not a whimper on the offensive boards. No, nothing, no presence at all. And and here's the thing, um, we've talked about it before. Spolster is really good coach. Oh yeah, Spolster is the top coach in this league. I've said it to you, Mike, both on the air and off. Um, when LeBron and those guys got there, I think a lot of us, myself included, I'll be honest thought Spolstra was along for the ride. Sure. But since those days of the big three came and went a long time ago, Spolstra has really earned his paycheck, and he's earning it this year. I think the smartest thing they did, knowing that there were three games between game one and two, another three between games two and three, that's six days off they were able to give Jimmy Butler, and you saw the results, 28 points in game three. Yeah, I mean, that... The scheduling certainly helped. I mean, but it's it. Whether Jimmy Butler maybe could have played or whatever else, perfect move. Hold him out, like you said, six full days off. Um, it, it's crazy how the Western Conference is kind of the opposite. How they they got a little bit of a later start, so they're they're kind of playing catch up, and all that time in between the Knicks and Heat um, did nothing for the Knicks and did everything for Miami. So it's it's just very strange when you look at these playoffs. Um, <laughs> how two different conferences can can be so different, but that again, that's a different story. But um, you know, when you're looking at, like you said, construction of the thing, but really coaching, yeah, Spolster's done an amazing job of keeping that team relevant. Without you know, they they had they've had some drama back and forth, you know, throughout the years, guys arguing with each other back and forth. You know, Jimmy Butler is he's an interesting character out there on the court. There's no question, and I'm sure he's very interesting behind the scenes. <laughs> Um, but hey, they traded for Kevin Love, brought him in, made him a starter. You know, he he's not not a huge difference maker out there, but you know, nine rebounds. He, he's given energy. It's exactly what you need. And there's no question. Five one six six two three twelve forty. And where I thought Spolster was key yesterday, Mike, is was in managing Butler's minutes. You heard the announcers talking about yeah. um, not wanting to put Butler back in when the Knicks finally did start to make. Mm, what was almost like a run, and he ends up playing 35 minutes. Again, 28 points. So now it's a quick turnaround. I think, a Nick fan, you have to sort of hope that Butler is a little bit compromised. If you notice, he hurt himself again, same ankle. Mm -hmm. Um, But, again, you can't concern yourself with that. You've got to concern yourself with elevating your performance as the New York Knicks and not sit around and hope that Jimmy Butler's not 100%. Right, so the, the, after a game like that, if you're the coaching staff, what, all right, you go back, you wa- you have to watch the film. You don't want to watch the film. Sometimes you throw it in the garbage. Well, we used to say throw it in the garbage, but now it's just, you know, slam your computer down. But there's, so you take a look and you go, what can we, what do you pull off the tape from that game? Other than it was just a putrid Nothing performance. There, there's no real adjustments you're looking to make. And, you know, again, I hate to go back to that quote, but when you, when RJ is talking about, that we have to we have to understand that they're coming out with intensity. This is the NBA, baby. I mean, come on, this is second round. And and, and you know what else, Mike? Uh, and listen, Nick fans can get annoyed with me for saying this. It's easy to 
dislike Riley and to look at him as Mr. Smug and Mr. Smarmy with his, you know, $5,000 suits and his slick back and he, you know, strolls into the garden <laughs> like he's Mr. And listen, it's easy for Nick fans over a certain age to remember the way in which he left the Knicks and right. still be, you know, upset with him about that. But you, you got to admit, Mike, this guy is the best executive in baseball. He has seven undrafted players on this team. Max Struess, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. Mike, i got to ask you a question. <laughs> Who are these guys? I never heard of Gabe Vincent before this series. I, I thought you said Faye Vincent. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I know who he is. Yeah, right? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great, great point. I mean, yeah. And, and the fact that it's Pat Riley makes it even that much more hard to swallow for Nick fan, like you said, because of what... What he did for us and then how he left. I mean, he went to the finals with, with Shaq and, and D-Wade, right? He got Shaq to come down there, went to the finals with, with those guys. Went to the finals, obviously, and won it with the group with, with LeBron. But you say, hey, listen, well, you, you got LeBron. Anybody can do that. Sure. LeBron in his prime, by the way, who we'll get to. Um, but now you're putting the, uh, together essentially a group of nobodies. You knocked Giannis and his guys out in the first round, and now you're threatening to do the same to the New York Knicks. Right. So you brought up their their players, and again, great great job on roster construction. But as as I have these stats in front of me, and we were talking about plus minus. All right. So you know, every, if you're not familiar with plus minus, that's while you're on the floor, the points that your team is scoring as opposed to what you're giving up. Now. It doesn't take a mathematical wizard to, to probably look and say there's going to be a lot of minuses on the next. But every player was in the minus. Not one guy was a was a zero or or plus who played any meaningful minutes. Every player on Miami was was plus. Every guy. Every so it's that's got to work that way. But, you know, right, well, I mean, <laughs> not even like a bench guy comes in and got outscored like you know while he was at there was there's nothing. So geez, I mean. Tibbs, uh, my friend, I, I hope you're, you know, you're down there in Nobu or whatever was going on or which, you know, cause have, have something to eat, get back, but, but let's ream these guys out here and get them going. 516-623-1240. Give us a call, folks. Let us know what you think of the next series. So let me ask you, Mike, and I'm going to really hold your feet to the fire here. What adjustments need to be made by the Knicks? Obviously, they have to shoot better. Um, who gets more minutes? Who gets fewer minutes? Who comes in earlier? Who gets? Who comes in later? I mean, do you want to get into the weeds on that kind of thing? Because we can't just run out the same old, same old right. in Game 4 and think that we're going to have a different result. What do you do if you're tips? Well, I think a lot depends on whether Emmanuel quickly is going to play or not. You know, And, and if he does play... How effective he can be. I mean, that, that's, that's, I think that's the wild card here. So let's assume he's going to play. You, you got it. You have to play him his normal time, but if he's not effective, obviously they're going to, they're going to pull him quickly. Um, that's a, that's a great question. It's not, again, the bench was so poor and didn't give you anything. I mean, you're going to stick with your, your normal rotation just because that's, that's what you've been doing. But, you know, more so, I, don't you think, couldn't, couldn't you just see how Jekyll and Hyde basketball is in the NBA? That the Knicks come out and, and they, they, they go 10 for their first 14 from three and it's like, it's a whole different world. I mean, you really have to keep your fingers crossed, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do, you know, other than switch up your day a little bit, 
you know, try to get out and transition. You know, don't look to kick. Get to the free throw line. Get some some people in foul trouble. I mean, you are what you say. You, 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 your stats tell you. And eight for forty. I mean, you hope it can't get any worse than that. But if they shoot that way again, it doesn't matter what they're thinking. Um, Philly and Boston. Yes. Philly wins today in overtime. overtime yeah. That series now tied at two. So let's take the optimistic approach for a sec, Mike. Let's assume that the Knicks do find a way to take this series home. Who do you think is a better matchup? Obviously, that series is going to go long, right? Yeah. Um, that's probably going to seven, I would say. Um, who do you think is a better matchup for the Knicks? Should they be good enough and fortunate enough to get past Miami? I think Philly's a better matchup for them. I um, do too. Yeah, I, I, I just, I see, you know, Joel Embiid, he was the MVP, which you could argue whether he should have been or not, but he guy's a tremendous player. At least the Knicks have the size and a little bit of depth to, to defend him. Um, you know, James Harden has, has picked up. Um, I, I just, I look at that matchup. I think that the, the Celtics will just, they play too fast and, and have too many other weapons that, that that's not a great matchup for the Knicks. And I, I think that, um, I love Doc Rivers, but you know, he, he's no John Wooden either. I think that, that that's you know that's a matchup you don't have to worry about. Although you know the Celtics are they're they're going with a rookie coach who's a, who's you know 20 years younger than me, which you know I hate to point that out, but um, yeah, I I just yeah I I got to go with the Sixers. I think that that's the team you'd want to see. Uh, series out west, obviously, if you're a Nets fan like I am, you, you cannot root for Phoenix. You mm-hmm. want to see them eliminated point blank. But obviously, the much more entertaining series from a star power standpoint mike is the one with uh the lakers and golden state lakers now up two to one after a pretty convincing uh victory at home last night after go uh over golden state it kind of it, it seemed in that game like golden state knew early that they they, they weren't going to do much yeah it seemed like kinda, they threw in the flag yeah, a, little packed it in a little bit it's it's almost like someone brought brought this up it was a good point that in uh in game one the speed that the Lakers played with Golden State, they matched their speed. And they were able to you know, really kind of take command of that game and stay in it and win it. Then game two, which was only, they, I believe there was only one day in between. So Golden State comes back, blows them off the court. Now a couple of days rest, Lakers come in, they're much, it, again, LeBron, you know, age, Anthony Davis, he, he can be the best player in the league when he wants to be. His motivation is a little off. But if there's time in between games, favors the Lakers. If it's a quick turnaround, favors Golden State. Um, you know, the Lakers haven't lost a game at home. I believe that they've won their last 14 games in a row at home. And, and they had to, they had to go into the play to, to get it in here. Yeah. So did Miami, as a matter of fact. So, you know, it's really crazy when people say, Hey, it's the NBA. No underdogs ever win. It's not like hockey. You don't get a number eight over a number one. What? What are you talking about? Well, and it also lends itself to the fact of how important is the NBA regular season, right? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You bring up a great point with that, Mike, because Miami, 
right? Let's take them for just a second, right? Yep. Maybe Spolstra being the coach that he is, maybe load management, I know you hate that term, I do too, um, was his game plan. And he said, hey, who cares if we have to win a play-in game? Who cares if we have to get an eight seed? We can still win right. And, and again, they're not 100% healthy either. No um, Tyler Hero, right? Yep, um, a compromised uh, Jimmy Butler. So when we're right and playing right, we can beat anybody so that that's a great point that's the point i was going to make with you well and you look at milwaukee had the best record in the nba right, right? bounced see ya bounced, and their coach gonzo yeah two years after winning the title ah that's right what have you done for me lately <laughs> nick, nick nurse toronto former you know nba champion thanks thanks for the memories see you later yeah i mean it's wood, a tough business wooden right? holes are ways yeah what do you got to do okay you know and and Giannis missed three games in that series. Whew, that's that's tough stuff. So let's see if we can squeeze in some Mets oh. uh, right now. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm hitting you. But yeah, listen, you're going to have your chance after the I break. Got, we'll get to some Yankees. I wish I had something stronger than, than Poland Spring in my hand right now. <laughs> Poland Vodka is mm. what you need right now. Uh, but anyway, the Mets 17-18 and 18 after another really, really rough loss today. Mike, second place. And listen, I'm, I know Mets fans are going to, you know, pound down on me for saying this, Mike, and it's okay if you do. The only reason they're in second place is because that division is god awful. <laughs> no, you're right. You, I mean, can't, can't fight with it. But actually now they've fallen to third, but still, when you're a game under 500 and, and you're, you know, you're one game out of second place. Yeah, that, the division is, is horrendous. There, there's a couple things we're going to point to. All Go right. ahead. Number one, all right, Francisco Lindor. My man's hitting 217. Wow. 217. Yeah. Pete Alonso, I mean, he's not known for I his I guess average. 340 mil doesn't oh, get you what man. it wants to Right? <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I was talking about that with our Mets guy, Cap. You know, I mean, I, could, could he be, you know, great, great guy. Yeah, excellent smile. You know, he's got a good glove, but he's plays just, every day. Plays every day. Plays a good yeah, second base. Listen, I show up to work every day. I'm not getting a hundred. You know, uh, a good shortstop. Yeah, I should yeah, say. Listen, you know, I, I I play good defense in school. I, I do I do what I can. Um, but yeah, just just not much. Now, not time to pull the plug because you're talking about you know Scherzer, Max Scherzer. What are all the headlines? Is he done? Is he you know whatever? Okay, listen. He, he was pitching relatively well, got suspended, came and had a stinker of a back in Detroit, but it was like 35 degrees. I'm not going to get too crazy about that. Verlander only has had one start. He had a rough first inning or so. You know, so all is not lost, but if, if the bats can't hold you, the Mets bullpen is not anything to be scared of whatsoever. Now, of course, nobody knew that their closer was going to blow out his knee. Of course. But that, you know, your middle inning guys, oof. They've been bad. Heart just—they've been Knicks four for for you know for thirty bad from the field. So two things I'm going to ask you, Mike, that I know uh, are going to take off my Met fan friends. Number number one, um, I brought this up with you and Cap. I sort of question the wisdom of having two very high priced, um, yes, very accomplished but very high priced guys of very advanced age. At the top of your rotation. And number two, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's annoying me now. I think that Scherzer, 
at the stage he's at in his career, has still a little bit much to say. Hey, Max, let me put it to you this way, buddy. We don't need you to uh, comment on the shot clock, all right? Yeah, okay, you're the union rep, blah, 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 blah. Hey, you know what? How about this? Less cheating, less whining, <laughs> more pitching. Yeah, ex- exactly. Now, he... He he is he's he's hard to root for he is and you know and I'm the Mets guy on the on the, this side of the table here, he he does have a lot to say now, win me a championship get me you know all right you got to the playoffs yippee, um, you know, he he's not Cy Young out there and and he is he's I th- I think he would you said it on social media he's like he is he's the spokesman for yeah yeah and don't give me excuses about the the pitch clock and and how it's getting guys hurt I and mean, come on. It hasn't gotten guys no, hurt, though, no, Mike. It's Come just, on, that's ridiculous. You know, he, here's the thing, and we'll get to the Yankees in a minute. Carlos Rodon, if Carlos Rodon carjacked me when I walk out this studio tonight, I wouldn't be able to tell police it's him because I have no idea what the guy looks like, all right? He was hurt before he got here. He's been hurt since he's here, and it's nothing to do with pitch clock, so please right. don't give me pitch clock. It's ridiculous. I mean, for sure is going to be sounding off about that. You're right. It sounds like he's setting up excuses for either um, injury or ineffectiveness in the middle of the season or toward the end of the season. That's what it sounds like to me. Get out there and pitch. And and listen, when your manager comes out and he says, how are you feeling, Max? You're 38, 39 years old. How are you feeling after six or, or seven innings? How about this? Be honest with him and say, I'm shot. Take me out. I know my bullpen stinks, but get somebody else out here. All right, so let's let, let's let's – Bring up two words that I can't stand. I like statistics in some sport, but I'm not a huge statistics guy with baseball. But spin rate, okay, spin rate of the ball. His last start, his spin rate was way down. Now, what does that tell you? What he normally uses on his fingers, probably to get good spin rate, was not. He wasn't able to do it because he's under the microscope. So, Mister Mister Pitch Clock is probably more Mister Cheater Clock who who got caught. And he's like, he's got to find it. Because Gary Cole, right, remember, he was having trouble, right? Absolutely. And and he, you know, he, he found his way. But these guys, there's such a small margin for error. So, of course, let, let's bring up everything else. But, Mike, Mike, here's the difference. Sticky stuff, they started that in the middle of the season. Right. They introduced pitch clock. You had all spring training to of adjust. Course. And you're out there quick pitching people and doing this nonsense. How about adjust to a new rule that every single pitcher, and hitter in the league has to adjust to it. Why don't we do that? Nobody wants to hear a, a professional, top-level Major League Baseball pitcher complain like one of the bad news bears back, you know, in, in Little League Baseball. There, there is. There's no crying in baseball, and there's no excuses in baseball. And believe me, the Yankees are going to get theirs when we come back oh. from break. So if you think they're going to escape <laughs> our wrath, especially mine, you got another thing coming, folks. Give us a call, 516-623-1240. Come on back after the break. Listening to Sports Talk New York. 
Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And here we are. Welcome back. Sports Talk New York with our... Spot on sports, guys. Coach Mike here with you, along with the Trezman. He had to calm himself down. That's why we took it took it out here through the break. But I don't think those of you who are looking for a calmer, nicer, more relaxed version of the Trezman are going to get that as I bring up the New York Yankees. Oh, oh. Okay, all right. So Ten games back, Mike, oh. after another heartbreaking one, loss today. One game over five hundred, but they're in fifth place because that – there you go. We were saying the Mets before. You know, we're, we're everybody's good in this division. Everybody, even the, except I mean, the Yankees. Well, I, I kind of I, I feel badly because w- when we talked about the Yankees and, and the the AL East a couple of weeks ago, I said, "Oh, the Red Sox can stay." The Red Sox are playing they're tremendous. They're playing well, they're, and and Tampa Bay just never loses. Mm-hmm. So it would have been so big just to go in there and listen. We understand it's May seventh or eighth or whatever date it is, and and. and you know, but but Tampa, I mean, they're winning eighty percent of their games, Mike. It would have been such a big thing if we could have go in there. Um, I mean, Friday night they were down four nothing. They did such a good job to come back uh, and tie it at at four. And you know, a uh, misplay out in left field by this guy Jake Bauer, who they just brought in. Okay, I mean. Okay, you know, it's it's a tough way to lose. They come back Saturday, have a nice win. And then today, they are up 6 nothing with Cole on the mound, who had not lost once this year. And listen, before anybody thinks I'm going to sit here and second-guess Aaron Boone, I'm not. He has to stay with Cole in that spot. Yeah. And, and, and it's, listen, it, it's it's Cole's fault. He has to... Your team gives you a 6 nothing lead in that park against that team. You have to bring that one home, Mike. You don't have to give me nine innings, but you have to give me six, and you can't give back, you know, all six runs. That you can't. Right. And, and perfect point, because if, you, if you're all, – all, all things aside and all jokes aside, you know, Garrett called five, five innings, eight hits, six runs, five earned. You know, you, you're the ace. Like you said, hadn't lost a game all season. Gotta take it home. Yeah, you 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 have you spotted that lead on the road against the first place team. Yeah, the the Rays are twenty eight and seven. I know. Good God! I mean, so yeah. Let's do that tough math and on eighty percent of their games, Mike. <laughs> Crazy. Um, all right, so let me ask you this. So just to give you a second to take a breath. So are you more concerned? More concerned here with. Pitching or hitting at this point, and uh, well, I'll, I'll get to my my outfield question in just a second. But um, where do you where do you think you know you got Aaron Judge now? He's out. Are you super concerned with that? Is it is that going to filter through the lineup, or is it more of a pitching depth issue? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not concerned that that Judge is out long term. I think Judge will be back soon enough. But it's not 
it's not soon enough. As you right. said, it is getting late early. When you're 10 games back of a team that's winning 80% of their games, I mean, you go do the math. That's a lot of catching up. And again, when you're being in the cellar, even though you're a game over 500, um, you know, that's a lot of teams to jump over to. So uh, I am concerned with that. Um, our outfield right now, Mike, is is horrendous. I mean, it's yeah. from hunger. I mean, <laughs> Oswaldo Cabrera. Thank goodness Harrison Bader is back because he's had a lot of big hits the last couple of days and, and has played some good defense. But, you know, now you got this kid, Jake Bowers, out there. Again, that was a big misplay. It's a young kid. You don't want to get on him. But we can't have that happen in that spot. We we came all the way back from 4 nothing down in that game, and to lose that game that way, um, the outfield right now is is horrendous. But, you know, I got to tell you, you know me. I'm not much on second-guessing coaches and managers, but Monday night, I'm going to go back almost a week now, Monday night, Boone, I thought he did a terrible job. Um, he took... He took Herman out. Now, Herman is not Clark Schmidt, Mike. No. Um, Clark Schmidt's been terrible every start out. Um, Herman is either terrible or he's great. He's, he's almost never in between. Right. So, Boone takes him out. He's up 2 nothing. Okay? He gives up one hit in the ninth, one single, and Boone comes out and takes him out. And puts in Clay Holmes. Um, who's been really, really terrible this year? You know, I don't want Clay Holmes to be my my closer anymore. But I said to I said to myself right at the moment, I said, no, 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 you can't do this. You cannot take Herman out now. If he gives up a home run, all right, he gives up a home run. Right. Mike, it was eight forty at night. Okay, <laughs> I mean the game was an hour and and thirty minutes old. He comes out, he takes out um, Herman, and he brings in Clay Holmes and and, and Holmes. Blows the game. I thought it was classic overmanaging by Boone, and it just um, there's so much wrong with this team. Uh, I know Yankee fans love to get on Cashman um, for things like the Rodon signing. Right now, looks like a disaster. The Montas trade looked like a disaster last year. It still looks like yeah. one. And and here's our starting rotation, Mike. You've got Nestor, who's mostly good and had a, had one. Really bad stinker in there it, down in um, down in Texas. You had Cole, who's been excellent up till today, um, and then you got three guys that you know. Again, Herman is is great or terrible. Schmidt is a disaster, and then you got this young kid, Johnny Brito. I mean, that's your rotation right there, and it's not it's not going to change. No, it's not, and, and not at this. You're not going to make a trade at this point. It's still too early in the season, and. Yeah, I mean, talk about the free agent signings. The Montas trade, I think, back even when it first happened last year, you were not on board with that either. No. The, no it, it, that one was a head-scratcher. It really didn't make much sense. Um, it, and now you're hearing about Rodon. Yeah. His back injury or issue is chronic, yeah. Which and they're talking about maybe the end of July, the earliest. <laughs> That, that's just a disaster. That's You can't make that up. No, absolutely. Getting back to the outfield, what happened to Aaron Hicks? He's, he's Did you forget Mike. how to play baseball? And, and honestly, um, the Yankees, despite blowing a six-run uh, lead today, um, it was 7-7 in the 10th, right? Um, so Hicks gets in a rundown. 
The pitcher tags him, but the pitcher also dropped the ball and got hurt on the play, and Hicks gave up on the play and and actually could have scored because he didn't realize that the pitcher got hurt and dropped the ball. Yeah, he he his head does not seem to be anywhere. No, no. Into into play. He doesn't like. Looks like he enjoys playing baseball. And and here's the thing, Mike. Um, you know this as a coach. What two things you can always do? You can always give effort, and you can always play intelligently. Right. All right. Um, there was a thing today. I don't know if you saw it. Um, Higashioka was catching. Um, he forgot how many strikes there were. And so Rizzo came up to him at the end of the inning and had a little conversation with him. And all these people on social media, oh, Rizzo, he's not the guy. He needs to... Mo-. What? Uh, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Mike, Higashioka is not a slugger. He's not really even a great defensive catcher. He's there to be a smart player and to work with play and if you if you don't know how many strikes or how many outs yeah, there are as the catcher I yeah know. i mean come on that's a bad job that's i terrible. have absolutely zero issue with rizzo going up to him and having that little conversation with him he didn't yell at him nope. he didn't confront him he didn't barrel up to, you know to his chest that way he he was it was a conversation i mean Mike, have we gotten this soft that we can't have conversations and hold each other accountable? Isn't that what, and that's what you want. I mean, when, when all is well, let's say, let, let's flip it. Now, of course, you know, it's easy to say that, but let's say the Yankees are 28 and 7 and, and that happens. Everyone's go, oh, Rizzo, yeah, that, that, look at the leadership. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. guy won a World Series. That's yeah. why we brought him back. And now, oh, you're picking on poor little Higgy who never plays and, and, you know, he's a, he's a little meek, you know, <laughs> mild kind of guy. Um, you know what? The only thing I would say to that is, hey, Rizzo, you want to do that? Next time Glaber doesn't hustle, I want to see you do that to him too. Exactly. All right? You want to hold Higgy accountable? I have no problem. Right. You know, Mike, I want to go back to the first giant game of the year, okay? I didn't know this because I didn't see the play. You were the one who told me when we got on the air that night about Dable airing out his quarterback in the middle of that game for the TV cameras to see, for all his teammates to see. I didn't know about it. You told me about it. What was the first thing I said? Great job. Yeah. I said, good. You should. I love it. I love it. Now, you're talking about a coach who's in his first season. As a, a, a Giants coach, uh, any head coach, right. really. Yeah. But here for the first time, airs out his quarterback on the first game of the season. So, you know, I believe in holding guys accountable. That's, you know, I believe in that. Do you think it, anything happens in, in major league clubhouses now where ma- managers literally, even let's say behind the scenes, are airing guys out or holding them accountable because they're certainly not doing it in the dugout. No, Boone wants to be Mr. Nice yeah, Guy. He never wants to say anything it, to anybody. Yeah, it's a, it, it's pretty wild, you know, because you look on the other side of, of the river, you got Buck. Now, Buck is a, is an older guy, has has different, you know, way about him, but it's almost like he's, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he needs to do it or or he just has a rep or he he's got he's got the cachet, but yeah, Boone, I mean, he was a pretty fiery guy when he played. But he, he does. He wants to be everybody's pal, it seems like, at least, you know, in the dugout. So, you know, I mean, these people are all over Rizzo on social nah, media. And I, on. I know I shouldn't go back and forth with them. But I said to this guy, I said, hey, listen. At least he I gives said, a crap. Yeah. I said, 
When uh, does Rizzo strike out? Yeah, of course he does. Everybody does. Does he make the occasional ever? Occasionally he mm. does. But call me. Here's my number. Call me when he doesn't know how many outs there are, or how many strikes there are. His head's in the game, Mike. He's a Always. professional. Definitely, and that and that's one of the reasons they signed him back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I have absolutely no issue. No issue. All right, let's switch gears, Mike. We haven't even <laughs> mentioned Aaron Rodgers. A, the other A-Rod. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this thing went on for weeks. They finally um, got the deal done. Aaron Rodgers is here now. Um, yes, they were looking for an offensive lineman early in the draft. And, um, you know, their first pick turned out to be um, an edge rusher, Will McDonald, from Iowa State. He's supposed to be uh, very, very impressive. But it wasn't until um, the second round that they finally went offensive line. Well, you, you Joe Tipman out of I was going to say, you know, you know why one of the reasons was who traded up right. two spots. Exactly. And, and <laughs> I was reading, I can't remember where, it might have been Newsday this week, but it was probably all over the place, that, that New England, you know, Belichick did that just to screw with the Jets, just to just because yeah. he can. Uh, absolutely, just you know which. And listen, he, Belichick knows he's not going anywhere. Oh, of course. Um, but you know, you're right. I mean, his animosity <laughs> towards the Jets is such that it's he legendary. Did that, yeah, it just for sport. So they did get um, an offensive lineman in the second round. Uh, got another uh, tackle in the fourth round. Uh, caught a Warren out of Pitt. Um, a running back, a defensive back, and then a tight end. For the Giants, their first pick was uh, defensive back Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Um, they did get. <laughs> they I'm did, sorry, I, I, that was. I, I went for a quick nap while you were talking. There's nobody get, exciting there, boy. I'll tell you that. Well, I I think the center that they drafted okay. second um, is is a guy you can plug right in right away, Mike. Because you know, last year we had our problems with Feliciano. He had that. Big penalty in that yes. game. This stupid thing with the flex and the muscles got a uh, a penalty against Washington on a, uh, and and really turned a win into a tie in yes. that game. You know, um, what I think is interesting though is the third receiver, the guy Jalen Hyatt out of um, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. He was the winner of the Boletnikoff Award as the best uh, receiver in, in college. Uh, college football last year and listen i mean it's no secret the giants have needed to add weapons for daniel jones yeah my my if if those of you who have been listening to us hopefully further for a while I'm, and i'm going to bring up the the two words that i that i spit out back on one of our first shows i was so excited about kenny galladay oh, oh my <laughs> right you know you're what, never allowed to mention listen, his name one again of, one of these days when it's really when it I'll make you a deal. Whenever, whenever I, 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 I sound like I'm on my high horse, whatever, <laughs> just bring that up or we'll bring a clip in of me saying, Let's bring a clip who's in. the greatest signing ever? <laughs> Good Lord. That's great. Uh, That's great. So as long as we're down on New York teams, oh, okay. Mike, we're, we're down on hockey, the huh? We're down on, we're Woo! down on the Yankees. I'm down on the Yankees. Okay. You're down, down on, on the Mets. Mets. I'm down on the Mets. I'm down on Charizard. Um, we're going to welcome in a, a guy, one of our regulars, who probably is a little bit down on his team, but I am curious to get his opinion on the big move that they made uh, this week. It's Chris Cayozo, our Ranger reporter, and he's going to tell us what he thinks 
about the firing of Gerard Gallant. Chris, how are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, so Chris, let's get right into it. Before we talk about the series itself, you know, it was kind of funny. I was telling Mike, um, I did not know that Gallant got canned last, yesterday I was moving back and forth between the, um, between the Yankee game and the Knicks game. I texted you to ask you to come on and, and, you know, speculate on whether he was going to be fired. And you're the one who, who told me he got fired. So, um, let's, let's talk about it this way, Chris. Number one. Do you see him as a scapegoat, or do you think coming after, let's be honest, Chris, a collapse against the Devils that he should have been let go? Oh, 100% he should have not been let go. Um, wow. I think this was on the players, personally. They uh, they didn't come, they didn't show up. You, you go to Jersey, you win two games, uh, you, you blow them out, uh, 5-1 respectively each game. And you come back, you know, to the garden and it, it, it looks like a different team. The energy was not there. Um, you can't blame the coach for hard work and energy. Um, Meek is the manager. You know, he was here. He was there. He was not there. Um, Panarin, zero points, uh, games three through seven. It's unacceptable. Uh, Kreider was the only one who really showed up in that series offensively. You bring in Patrick Kane, show Mr. Showtime. Where was he? He he wasn't there. And you know what? I, I don't blame Gallant. I, this was uh, what I've heard was it during the player exit interviews. Uh, most of the players said he's got to go. And at the end of the day, the players decide the coach's fate. And let me ask you, Chris, because I was hearing a lot right after that series of people saying, hey, you know what, if they trot the coach out there at the press conference, sort of the let's wrap it up press conference, that usually means he's coming back. So there's Gallant out there at the, um, you know, post-series press conference, and he's answering questions. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if what people are saying is true, that you don't trot the coach out there unless you're bringing him back, um then I guess Gallant is coming back. So, obviously, over the next several yeah. days, the decision is going to be made. Were you surprised that after bringing him out there to talk to the media, uh, that they let him go, uh, what was it, four or five days after that? I was very shocked. And he had a record of, oh, a hundred and, I want to say a hundred and, close to over a hundred wins and 40 to 50 losses. In two yeah. seasons as the coach? 90, 99 and 46. Exactly. You're right. 99 and 46. So I, I was a little off with the numbers there, but thank you. For no, no, no. Listen, that, you were right on target. Yeah. So 99 and 46, you can't ask for anything after a turnaround when you had David Quinn in there who didn't, he's a, the guy was a college coach and the players didn't like him. So like I mentioned before, I would, first of all, and to answer your question, to bring him out, I didn't think he was getting fired at all. I thought this guy, you know what, if you bring him back next year and he does the same thing, you bring him to the second round, this team is was Eastern Conference final bound at least again. Um, but, you know, I thought he was at least coming back for one more year. That's a great point, Chris, because, you know, looking back, I, I have this in front of me, you know, Gallant, he, he was known as kind of a two- to three-year coach and then he kind of burned out or his team got burned out on him or whatever else that he would – you know, come in, do some great stuff early, and then, you know, second to third year was going to be his time. So, because in Columbus, three years, he was he coached there. Florida, three years. Um, and then in Vegas, 
I mean, for, for Pete's sake, lost in the Stanley Cup Finals, but then lost in the first round, came back 24-19. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of history there, though, of, of, you know, again, with the Rangers. They kind of overachieved last year. I think they had a decent to, you know, 107 points this year in the regular season, like you said. And then, you know, lose, they, they didn't lose to a terrible team in New Jersey. Um, but, of course, it's, yeah, it's that seventh game where they, they were no-shows. So who pays the price? He does. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think he should have gone. Um, there's a number of names being floated out there uh, as, as possible replacements. What are you hearing, and who would you like to see come in? Um, the number I'm only hearing one name, like kind of rumored around. I don't know what you've heard, or uh, and that's Joe Quenville, okay, um, former Blackhawks coach. And if you put two and two together, who played for the Chicago Blackhawks? Patrick Kane, right? Um, I think the I mean, post I, had it in the last day or two, Chris. Sorry to interrupt you. That it was that Quenville was not being considered. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that was. One of the rumors, I don't know if it was, like you said, maybe not considered, but maybe they want to bring Kane back on an extension. If I'm, if I'm the Rangers, I'm not signing Kane. In the biggest spotlight, you can't show up. Yeah, let me go back to this for a second, Chris, because I, I couldn't believe what you said to us a few minutes ago. There were guys on the Rangers, high profile guys that had the nerve to say about Gerard Gallant, this guy's got to go, and they put their names to that? Who was that? <laughs> I don't think they put their name. They didn't. Oh, they, they, oh they, that's <laughs> cowardly, Chris. Come on, that's not. Yeah, very. Oh, you no, got to be kidding me. I'd be, I'd be embarrassed to show my face after if I was some of these guys. You mentioned Zabanajad. I mean Panarin, Chris. The Mister Softy truck came down my street the other day. I looked out the window and there's Panarin driving it. I mean, for goodness' sake. Panarin and uh, I hope Kane was on there as well because. Both of them, you know, high-profile guys. Uh, Tarasenko only showed up, I think, in game one. Um, another high-profile guy who's won a Stanley Cup before. Um, just total disappointment with this team. I know the Devils were the favorite to win the series, but, you know, when you're up 2 nothing, going to the Garden and you lose both of those games, it's, it's, and then to, to force a game seven, because game six they looked incredible. After going down one nothing. um, you know, you come out and the, the garden's live, but the game seven, you know, was flat. They just look flat. And Shisterkin was standing on his head. No, Shisterkin <laughs> was great. I, you can't say anything about him. But the one guy, no. Chris, I was a little surprised at, not, not really in terms of effort, but the terrible turnover by Adam Fox in that last oh, game. My God, was... Chris. I mean, the arrows still up pointed the... up on, on Fox, I, I feel. Uh, I'm curious to see how you feel. But, man, oh, man, what a careless, just lackadaisical play. And it was it was brutal to watch. I thought it was a joke when I saw that he was up for the Norris again because he won it two years ago, and then obviously Cal McCarr, Won it last year in Colorado. They ended up winning the, the Stanley Cup. Both of those guys now out of the playoffs. Um, but if he wins the Norris again, I will be shocked because that he didn't. He had a good. He had an okay year. He actually was leading, uh, leading defenseman in points before the Rangers got eliminated. But nothing, he, and, you know, he didn't have a good year this year. And and the icing on the cake was that turnover, Mike, as you said. So just. Chris, just getting quickly back to to some coaching possibilities. Yeah. You know, 
I'm, there's a number of sites. You know, Quenville came up on, on Bleacher Report. Peter Laviolette. P- yeah, I was just going to say that. You know, I actually liked Peter Laviolette when, when he was coaching the Islanders, but, um, you know, you can't, I, I, I can't say much about him because he's bounced around so much. You know, all the, Chris Knobloch, who I've never heard of, but apparently he's the, he's the AHL he was coach. He's on the Yanks for a few years. <laughs> yes, friend of 44 years old. Um, you know, Daryl Sutter. Did, yeah, it's just, it's just retread guys. Bruce Boudreaux. Um, there's one name out there that came up and, you know, it, it kind of seems like it would, that would be an older thing for the Rangers to do. But Mark Messier's name got floated out there. Um, is that, you almost read my mind, Mike. Yeah, so I guess my question is, is that that that's almost a desperation move, I think, and, and the Rangers don't need that right now because they're just too good. Like if you needed to put people in the seats or there was no buzz, you know, maybe you bring him in. Um, no, you could sell out the garden any night. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't. You, you can have anybody coaching, you know, and still going to sell out. Um, so I, I guess, what was it exactly that the player? I mean, you mentioned a little bit before, but just quickly, what was it that the player said was Gallant's major problem? That that he, you know he had to go. Why? Why did he have to go? I personally think that you know, player and coaches have have relationships. You know right. what I mean. You see it, I think a prime example, and it kind of going off of hockey a little bit here, and you see it in all sports, but when coach-player relationships come up to me, you see, a, you see a guy because, you know, you just saw big moves being made in the NBA. Three out of the last four NBA champions, had the coaches right. have been fired. Yeah. So it doesn't matter win or lose, you're still going to go. Um, so, you know, a guy who, a good coach-player, you know, player relationship is a guy named like Steve Kerr, right? Mm-hmm. Um, players have a lot of respect. For Steve Kerr, but getting back on Gallant, they didn't have respect for him. It was kind of a respect thing. Yeah, man, and, that's uh, weak, Chris. Those guys forget about you know stabbing him in the back. They should be over at his house mowing his lawn and washing his yep. car right now. But listen, Chris, we gotta we gotta wrap up. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Great job. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that that. That, that's an interesting story. So, you know, when we're back on the air, we'll see maybe if it's one of those retread type guys or maybe someone that we didn't, we didn't talk about. Yeah, but Mike, come on. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. For guys who did not show up, who make a ton of money and a high profile guys, listen, I don't want to put it all on Panarin. Panarin was terrible in this series, awesome. Mike. That shorthanded goal, he should be made to look at that film every day. That was embarrassing, effort-wise, ridiculous. And and Zabanajad, not much better. Adam Fox, not much better. All right, so um, we'll see what happens with that. We're gonna have some more positive, hopefully, in two weeks. Well, yeah, that's gonna do it for us, folks. For everyone here at Sports Talk New York, the Spot on Sports guys, Gadone and Treza. We will see you in two weeks. Brian Graves is our producer. Thanks to him. We're out. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.